0: I think that there's real opportunity here for businesses who get it right. And we were thinking earlier about, well, where do you focus your business in 2024? Well, some of it is about understanding what your client's problems are now and solutioning those and having the kind of true consultant skills that really enable business development right now. Because I think AI, automation, all these tools are going to make delivery a bit of a hygiene factor, but it's gonna be the people skills that make a difference. Hello everyone, and welcome along to another episode of Talking Recruitment, the REC Podcast. Uh, well, the snow might not be quite deep, crisp, and even everywhere, but uh, this is our last podcast episode of 2023. So I'm going to start by taking the opportunity uh, to uh, wish you all a happy Christmas when it comes, and we're going to spend some time today looking at the year uh, that we've had and look forward into next year in terms of what we can look forward to it as an industry and things to focus on. Reasonably busy end to, the, end to the year here at the REC. Our report on jobs data came out on the 8th of December. That um, uh, that revealed a, a continuing slowing in the market, bit of a north-south divide of starting to emerge, perhaps driven by sexual differences between parts of the country. Um, but also backing up some anecdote that I think we're hearing from members around the country that actually our jobs outlook uh, data that suggests clients are getting more confident is right, but a lot of that activity is focused on 2024. So certainly something there to look forward to going to new, into the new year, even if the November, December period is a, perhaps a little more of a slowdown than, than it usually is. And of course, we always see a slower end to the year in the, in the sector. Um, the other major uh Of work that has come out of the REC in December is our recruitment industry status report. That was published on the 11th of December, and we be digging into a bit of that uh, later on with our guest today. But a really, again, a really great chance to take stock of where our industry is, and do uh, jump onto the website and take a look at that uh, when you have a second. Alongside all the stuff that we published in November, including our fantastic new EDI guide. Um, going into next year, our events are now uh, up on the REC website, so do take a look at what, when your next sector group regional meeting is. There's lots of exciting things to look forward to. And as I said at the end of the last podcast, do put a save the date in for June the 25th, which is the REC's in-person REC live conference. And looking forward to seeing all of you there. Now, let's turn to our guest for today, who is, uh, shall we say, close to home, uh, Kate Shoesmith, the RSC's Deputy Chief Executive. Kate, we often ha- take the chance in the last episode of the year just to chew the fat on where we think the industry is. And um, 2023 has been quite a year, hasn't it?
1: Hi, Neil. It's great to be here. And yeah, I do feel like this is turning into a bit of a tradition, but in a good way. Um, I, think, I think 2023 has been uh, quite the year. It feels to me, as we look back on the last twelve to eighteen months, that you have something um, of a of a changeable market, shall we say? So different from
0: Monday to Tuesday, as one member said to me, and I think that <laughs> seems right.
1: I I I have huge amounts of empathy for for that feeling. Um, you you've mentioned our recruitment industry status report, which is just out, and that's and that's really interesting to dig into because it gives us the whole picture of the year of 2022. But the interesting bit for most members, I'm sure, will be well, what's the what's the nowcast and what's the forecast? And um, because looking at the the, the, f- the first few months of 2023 as we could in the survey data, what we've seen is something of a, of a, of a change. So you've got a market that performed brilliantly in 2022. So over £41 billion pounds contribution by the UK recruitment industry to the economy overall, exactly as you'd expect. The majority of that is in temporary um, and contract billings. Um, 33, 34 billion of it will, comes from that. The rest comes from permanent placements. Um, and then when we look forward, we're seeing that 2023 has been a bit of a tougher year by all signs. Um, but having said that, without having seeing an actual downturn yet. So that's really interesting for us to keep watch on.
0: So that's interesting because it kind of backs up what we've seen from report on jobs during the year, which is the you know quite a steady sequential fall in the perm market, but the the te- the tent market, which is you know you always seventy to eighty percent of the industry's turnover, um, flat to growing on the back of of rising wages. So um, that initial trend feels right. Uh, to me, we should say that the reason we talk about 22 in the beginning of 23 in RISA, of course, is this is our uh, our gospel truth version of the industry's data. In that we we wait until everybody's closed their books in either December or April to to dig into the to dig into the data and then work with a partner to uh, gather that and also all of the the ONS data that we can use to to build a picture up as well
1: yeah that's exactly right and and it's um and what we have to keep in mind with all of this is that this means that some of the things that we were um looking at and the data that we were looking at for <laughs> 2020 and 2021 which turned into the least predictable years ever um we can we can look back with real certainty so so one of the things that i find particularly interesting is that pre pandemic we always talked about um getting towards a million permanent job placements being made by the recruitment industry across the UK every year, you drop into 2020 and 21. And actually it it went down significantly. It halved. Mm. Um, and then in 22, it's still taking that time to get back up there. Um, so just over 700,000 permanent placements were made in 2022. Again, going to this point about where is the... Where is the emphasis in our sector and why? 25.7 million temporary and contract placements made by our industry in 2022. And that still means that there's nearly a million people working as a temporary worker on assignment on any given day in the UK recruitment industry via the UK recruitment industry. It's just a phenomenal contribution, really, isn't it, overall?
0: Yeah. And I think actually, if you think about the state of the market in 2022, that's 750,000. Some of it's getting back up there, but actually some of it's also those skills and labour shortages that we were talking about throughout that year. Then that's your measure of the kind of the shortage that the UK uh, labour force uh, has. Um, and it, it's interesting at the moment because you know data suggests the market's a little bit looser, candidate availabilities up in the report on jobs, um, demand's been down. But unemployment is still very, very low and actually it won't take a lot of growth for um, those shortages to return. So it's, it feels quite counterintuitive, but we're already talking to politicians about uh, the, the issues we have with labour supply. It's why, why for instance, uh, the REC bought bit back quite hard against some of the changes that uh, the government brought forward in the immigration system uh, in early December
1: yeah absolutely it um i think i think the other thing that we often uh, reflect on is and you've mentioned report on jobs and and that's a, that's a, that's a key piece of information for for us to watch as a sector um it we know that it's used by others. So, for instance, the Bank of England and um, and some of the labour market economists and the Treasury will, will use the data religiously to, to, to figure out what's happening in the jobs market because it gives you such a good view of why, um, if you look at what's happening in the labour market, where the economy may be heading. Mm. Um, but the, the piece that's really interesting to watch, and you could see it in the most recent report on jobs, is yet again that sectoral split. Yeah. So... It's so obvious to us that what what are the bellwethers of how economic performance is going? Um, And we know this. So funnily enough, November figures show that in the permanent side, um, construction was down, but um, health and care was up in terms of demand. So a real sectoral split there. Um, If you look at the temp side, hospitality, surprise, surprise, lead up to Christmas, uh, was up and high demand. Retail, however, down not massive surprise because they've already done their hiring uh for the um for the Christmas period but also we're thinking about it in the context of cost of living and 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 where that confidence is in the overall market. so so that's the piece that becomes all important and it's a critically important year to be informing that policy agenda um because all of this will underpin whatever a future government is and the one thing we can say is that by the end of 2024, there will be either an election done and dusted, or one in, or one about to take place. And so we know that's happening, and we know that that means that positioning the central place of the labour market is going to be critical for us next year.
0: And I, yeah, I think for for any recruitment business looking at where we are now, um, the story of the autumn statement was basically growth downgrades for twenty four and twenty five. If anything, I think they were a little bit pessimistic because I think we can see in our data the case that there might be a bit of an uptick in Q2 into Q3 driven by that change in employer sentiment and dropping inflation and a a sense that economic gloom only ever lasts so long. Um, But of course, in terms of investment in the UK, what global investors are looking at is not just the economic uh, signals, but the political signals as well. They're wanting... A stable political picture and you know for whatever reason we've not been the best at that in the last uh, in the last few years but there, there seems to be a sense now amongst the investors that I'm talking to that the UK is a bit underpriced that the UK um, has some potential um, uh, go, uh, going forward if we can find that stability and of course part of that stability is a really strong well-performing Labour market, and for us, that's a huge opportunity for recruiters to be at the heart of clients and candidates' uh, problem solving, and for the industry to be seen as a, a, a driver of British prosperity rather than an outcome of it.
1: Yeah, it's interesting what you say there because you reminded me of a conversation we had a couple of weeks ago where um, an international delegation came to visit us in the REC. They absolutely think the UK labour market is worth investing in. Um, they they partly wanted um, uh, our reading on the political nuances of right now, but but they almost put that in the to to the to one side, um, you know we can we can we can look at what's happening in on um, in the UK um, political context and go oh it it is very up and down it is unpredictable in so many ways, but actually they they, they were less bothered about that. Um, so I think you're right about that. The pricing ourselves out is is a dangerous game because they just knew that the long term sustainability and success of the UK labour market was a good bet. Yeah. What they what they wanted some reassurance on is how to know which are the right ones to invest in, in terms of um, uh, business recruitment opportunities. Um, and what they'd come to the conclusion of is that actually the standards that you have begins to matter because they they could see that crossover with the political context. If you don't want to be in the headlines for the wrong reasons. But they 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 had done their they'd done their European review of the markets. They could see what was happening. And despite the political headwinds, they still thought the UK was a good place to be. They wanted more from the UK government, don't get me wrong. And they were, and they were doing their rounds in terms of talking to the policymakers there. Um, and and um, good good luck to them. And it's something that we're obviously pushing at too. And Neil, you've been central to these con- conversations. But they, they knew that UK recruitment was a good thing. And that it was—it's not going to be—it's not going to be something that is going to see um, significant downturns. Whereas you'd you'd actually say that some sectors are in for a really rough ride in the first quarter of next year. I'd say.
0: Yeah. Look, I, I think we're full of Christmas cheer here, which is a nice place to be in the last episode of the year. But I, I think this is fundamentally the case, which is across the cycle, the UK labour market is in a place where it requires a strong recruitment industry um and so while we've had a slow growth year any growth will flow through to the industry quite swiftly i think and we always say we're first in first out on recessions don't we yes um um, i i think that um there's real opportunity here for businesses who get it right and you know with with thinking earlier about, well, where do you focus your business in 2024? Well, some of it is about understanding what your client's problems are now and solutioning those and having the kind of true consultant skills that, that really enable business development right now. Because I, I think, you know, AI, automation, all these tools are going to make delivery um a, a, a bit of a hygiene factor. But it's going to be the people skills that make a difference, particularly if you look at some of the things clients are asking for. Mentioned in the introduction, we just launched our uh, guide on EDI and recruitment, which I'm I'm really proud of because it, it focuses specifically being for recruitment so it's written with our world in mind but equally uh, we know that the public sector is pushing through some quite stringent net zero targets in its procurement in the next uh, six to nine months and recruitment businesses working for the public sector and I think for some of the big listed firms are going to have to Uh, up their game on understanding their carbon footprint and setting plans in place for doing that so there's there's a, a market moving that is moving us more towards success coming from that professional service angle and then as you say standards and doing things the right way particularly by candidates but more broadly feels really important both for client reputation, and they're watching that more closely, but actually also for a firm reputation in the face of of government, because what I would say, you know, let's let's not beat around the bush, we're sitting here in December 2023, and I'm sort of thinking it's close to 100% likely that Keir Starmer is the Prime Minister after the next election, and maybe a bit less likely that he's a Prime Minister with a majority. But the polls would certainly suggest that right now. I think the state of our relationship with the Labour Party is super positive, um, partially because the REC played some big issues like Regulation 7 reform the right way over the last 18 months. Um, But there are plenty of people in in the Labour Party who still don't like temporary work and have preconceptions about temporary work and don't understand why people would work as temps. And and that's something that I think is going to have to be a priority for us in terms of telling the story and the voice of the temp next year. But I think is a real underlining point for recruitment businesses about yeah, getting the standards right really mattering.
1: Yes, and and we need all of those stories we can so so REC members are great at this they they know their workers they know their contingent labor pool and they can give um chapter and verse examples of why somebody is choosing to work this way um and i, and I think if it you can take the politics out of it so regardless of what type of government we end up with after the next general election, but I completely agree with your um, summary as to all the pollsters um, right now, is that thing that we talked about at the very beginning of this podcast is the labour market success underpins what happens in terms of economic growth, but also in terms of social inclusion. And if you get that right, you can, you can take all of the political angst out of it, because what you're trying to do is you're trying to improve things for people and for the economy overall. And you get all of the right business levers from doing that. So you don't don't need to see immigration as something that is as contentious as the government have recently made it. You treat it as a business lever. You do the same with the skills policies, the two sides to the same coin as, as like we always say on this, is that you need both of those things to be working concurrently in order for us to have a sensible and grown-up approach to how are we staffing our businesses and how do we allow business to grow and to hire. But you don't need to do this politically. Um, that's what's that's what's um, struggling. We had a great conversation earlier today, Neil, with um, with uh, um, somebody who's helping with the machinery of government. Mm. And the thing that I took from that in particular is that that machinery of government is where we come in, because yeah. we, we have the institutional memory. We, we know how it works um we've seen it done it been. you i mean you were you were front and center of um coming in terms of awr back in the mm. day and yeah and it's guilty milota yes you were <laughs> and i'm not sure uh, i'm not sure we're ever gonna forget it um but it's um one of those where you just go that's so so important because we've Been through that regulatory cycle. And Mm. it can, when when you're on the um on the very far end of that. So let's take a recruitment consultant who has not been through um, an economic downturn before or hasn't been through the political cycle before. You see the headlines, it's really concerning. So you take that straight back into your business where actually don't worry about that so much. Worry about the day-to-day, because that's what's going to carry us through. And don't and don't allow yourself to be distracted because that's where we'll, we'll come in. And, and there's an awful lot of, I suppose, hiding the wiring that goes on. Mm. At the same time, being able to focus on what we do really well and tell the right stories, allow government to see that the investment is in the right place. I think that's why Restart has worked so well um, yeah. because what's happened there is we've demonstrated government have given unlocked some funding. They've given us the ability to represent the recruitment industry, to bring in REC members who are doing things the right way, to work with an employment um, services provider. And then funnily enough, guess what? We can help people genuinely into work. 1,700 people later who now have a job outcome because of how we work collaboratively. And all that government did is they got out of our way and they allowed us to do it. And that's the important thing, and that's the piece and the message we need to be carrying forward. So those stories of why somebody's working on a temporary basis and what that unlocks for them in terms of their own personal development, their family, um, but also the business payoff. That mm-hmm. those are the stories that we're going to need to be sharing more and more of next year.
0: I think that is absolutely right. And if I think about where I think the REC's focus is for next year, it's um, it's about that voice of the uh, uh, for the industry, yes to government, and as you say, hiding the wiring and very focused on the difference the industry makes and making sure that any steps they take reflect the practicalities on the ground and not what some think tank in Whitehall told them. But it's also about spreading that voice out to clients. And that's why the client guide we're launching in January will be really important in terms of supporting members to have that discussion with clients about buying on value and uh, on some of the outcomes they want to drive and not just buying on price. Then you link that to kind of the the standards piece and the professionalism of our industry and developing our own skills and how we do business to to be seen as that professional services sector to be able to yeah, to to find work that is uh, higher margin more sustainable more more long ranging which for any recruitment business you know um, what does Greg Savage always say run your business as though you what you want you're about to sell it um, well the first thing buyers will ask is what what's your um, uh, recurring business. Mm -hmm. And so there's something there in terms of standards and how we run our business. And then the third bit for us, because we've talked a lot about politics, but the technology is changing fast. The third bit for us is just making sure that having delivered some really interesting support to members on tech this year and the EDI stuff I mentioned earlier, the the role of the REC in, um, in providing top quality business advice, to members on things that are general challenges to the industry um, is it, it, really important. And in, that, in my, my head there is kind of, I'm thinking about the number of members who are exposed to business failures in construction, for instance, where I'm, I'm really interested in. I was doing more on client risk analysis and payment terms and things like that. So that those three things feel to me like what's important to the REC next year uh, because for members, it's got to be about being able to ride that upturn when it comes, and and knowing that that will probably come back in quite a different way to what it was before.
1: Yeah, there's um, there there's a heads up, I suppose, for everybody listening to this that if you haven't got to the back of the recruitment industry status report, I highly recommend that you do, because in uh, the very last um, piece is um, it, it reflects on the survey questions that were asked of the industry to inform the report. And and in it, we say, what are you planning to do? Because obviously inflation and interest rates have been a hugely worrying feature of um, business performance over uh, over the a significant amount of time now, for at least the last twelve months, but and it looks like you know we're not going to we're not going to see things dropping back to um, what you might consider to be more normal inflation um, path and interest rates for quite some time still to come. Mm. At the back of the report, it talks about what what a recruitment business is planning to do, and it says that the sixty four percent they plan to um, reduce. Look at their operating costs um, and well, twin with that. We've seen
0: some evidence of that. Yeah, and twin.
1: Yeah, absolutely. To end with that, not many are thinking to reduce their headcount internally within their business. That's a great sign because that's really that's really sharp thinking. That talks to what Greg's saying about always get your business in the place where you're, you know, you're ready to sell it. Mm. But the things that concern me is the is the much lower numbers that are talking about what are they going to do around equity, diversity and inclusion. Only, only a quarter say that they're going to look at that as a possible uh, lever for them to use. Um, and a similar number are saying that they're going to look at um, the broader careers advice, um, jobs, fairs, um, uh, the guidance that they can be giving to candidates. How are they out there on the front line so, showing their social worth and their social value? Now, it could be The respondents to the survey replied that way because they're already doing it. They think, oh, I don't need to do more of that. But I have a concern that they're not. And you also mentioned something around um, those those two things that are big big drivers of um, the future. So net zero and technology. You will not go anywhere without hearing more about those. So if you don't have a sense of what are you doing and how are you supporting your clients, but also your candidates on those fronts, then then I think that's where people will fall behind. Um, and so it's just to, worth having a look at that and thinking, is this what gives me my bit of operational confidence that I will be ahead of the game, that, I, um, that I've got a solution? As soon as the, um, I was on a really great call with some members this week where they were talking about the tendering processes that they're having to go through to win uh, to win roles. And I said, oh, is this for volume? And they're like, no, no, just for single roll. <laughs> and going through an actual tendering process. Um, so you need to have all of these things in your back pocket, because otherwise that tender is going to be just really hard to fill out every single time. Um, and I think that's why people should be thinking more and more about how do you just have these things lined up um, and they're not, they're not going to go away.
0: Yeah, It's really interesting. I While you were running through some great examples there of some of the th- some of the big long term things that you need to be kind of getting into your business's bloodstream, because they're going to matter and matter more. And I I'm completely appreciate how difficult it is to do that in an environment where you have to, you know, you have to be able to pay the rent and the wages this week and next week and the week after. Um, I was struck by a memory of James Reed at our first online conference in September, 2020. Um, and one of the things he said in the panel he was on was, if you are not hiring for the upturn now, you will not be able to hire. Yeah. And a great bit of experience from decades in the industry, which is, um, it's a bit like selling your business. If when the market top, tops out, you can't start to prepare to sell your business. The same is true on these things. the the British labour market is tight EDI is an ethical and moral imperative it's also the only way you're going to broaden your candidate pool wide enough Uh, net net zero is an ethical and moral imperative but it's also our industrial strategy and for all that the government says oh we don't do industrial strategy it's written a hell of a big check to Tata for that gigafactory in Somerset and another big check to Nissan for uh, the uh, 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 for, for the guy in Sunderland and another big check to the whole British business for full expensing that looks like a, an investment strategy an industrial strategy and a, there is no growth strategy now that is not a green growth strategy so those things are just going to flow through over the next few years technology is the same um, and in thinking about that therefore getting your business in a position to leverage them as commercial strengths I think will set people apart and having quoted one person from an RAC conference I'll quote another who I've quoted on this podcast a couple of times before but I'm always struck by Jane Haynes the HRD who was on the panel has been on a panel at the conference a couple of times now saying I will spend time with a recruiter who rings me up and says something interesting about a problem I have Mm -hmm. Not a candidate, not a job, a problem I have. Um, and I think that's the differentiator in 2024, especially as the tech makes some of the kind of speed of delivery stuff a bit less of a competitive point if you've got your tech stack right
1: completely this so it all points to those those usual hygiene factors doesn't it so we we say that you you know your strategy do you know your strategy are you have you got that uh, sorted do you know your staff base do you know who's working for you do you know why they're working for you do you know where what you need in terms of your it's great that you're talking to your clients about workforce development and um, and workforce planning what about you have you got that sorted within your own um, business and then do you know your clients yeah because if, if you know those things you can and you've got and you've got some really sensible um uh spreadsheets set aside for um uh, your cash flow so you're managing that everything else will drop into place you'll understand what you need to do in terms of thinking about well what tech do we need to buy what do we need to enhance right now Um, where do we need to be going in terms of our marketing messaging what's what are we looking at in terms of future growth opportunities but everything comes from just having those fundamental hygiene factors in the right place
0: yeah, absolutely. Couldn't Couldn't agree more. And I think where we're finishing here, though, Kay, is actually 2023 has been a tough year. It's been hard, if not necessarily bad, especially in the temp side, uh, but hard. And every member has reflected that back to us. Um, 2024 actually has some real potential. If we get what we're doing right and that's if the REC gets what we're doing right to support members and to influence potential new government but also it's exactly those things you just run through which is are you focusing on the big long-term drivers of growth for your business do you know your strategy um and that's probably something to to consider over your mulled wine by the fire over 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 the Christmas break um Kate it's been great to have you on the podcast today I've really enjoyed our chat
1: Thank you very much, Neil, and happy Christmas and happy New Year to everybody.
0: I can only echo that. Um, you know, there's nothing better after a long year than taking some uh, some time to uh, to rest and recharge and have some fun with friends and uh, family and colleagues. Um, Thank you to all of you for your support to the REC during this year. We never take it for granted that we are your organisation. We're here to support you. Both Kate and I are always keen to hear what we could be doing more of. Um, If you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast, do uh, dig into the back catalogue. Particular fan of episode 22 picks up on some of the themes Kate was just talking about with Alex Arnott, the creator of Founders, about uh, the barriers, mistakes and successes of uh, building a recruitment business. Or why not try, if you're interested in the EDI theme that we've we've just uh, been uh, talking about, why not try the last episode, episode 24, with Stephen Ingram of Neurodiversity together about neuro-inclusive recruitment uh, uh, processes. But for now, thank you for listening today. Thank you for listening to the podcast and your support of the REC through the year. And have a very happy Christmas and all the best for a prosperous new year. Uh, and we'll look forward to joining you uh, again with uh, the 2024 series of Talking Recruitment, the REC podcast. Thank you for listening today. I hope you took away some valuable thoughts from this discussion. If you'd like to hear more, head to rec.uk.com forward slash Talking Recruitment or follow us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts and Spotify. Simply search Talking Recruitment to find us.